0: This is two girls, one ghost. Two girls,
1: one ghost.
0: We are your ghostesses, Corinne and...
1: Sabrina. Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> That's my name. That's my name. Don't wear it out. No, you could say it as many times as you want. What if people say
0: it so many times that it turns into an urban legend? And if you say Sabrina 13 times while walking backwards in a circle around a bunch of loose tea leaves, she will appear. One lit candle and you must have the one single hair and one single tear of a cat. Wait, I don't want cat tears. Well, they have slimy
1: eyes anyway. Fine. And, and a cat eye goop. Cat eye goop. And then you have to put it into a flame. And then say my name 13 times,
0: and then you have you get one wish. Oh my gosh, I get to grant wishes?
1: Yeah, you're a good I'm ghost. so excited. <laughs> You're a genie. You're the modern-day genie. Yeah, but I'm glad you don't have to rub a bottle for me to come out. You don't want to be rubbed. I don't. I really don't. (laughs) I do have something. So this actually kind of leans into our topic a little bit, which is a little less ghosty this week and more... Creatures and monsters and mysteries. And mysteries, yeah. So this is my mystery of the week in my own personal life is so I went to dinner with Marina and we were talking about ghosts and stuff as I do and we were leaving dinner and um, we were in the parking lot and I was like giving her a hug goodbye and she like, we need to do this more often uh, who else am I going to talk to about and as she's saying ghosts all the lights in the parking lot just go out. Which is like, okay, that's a freaky coincidence. (laughs) And she gets in her car and she leaves. She's like, let's just leave it at that. So then we were having a conversation later, Marina Scout and I, about how there are some people who have noticed it's called street light interference. And as you're walking out on the street, a lot like lights will kind of go out when you pass them. Yes. I swear
0: someone's emailed us about this before with a story. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. So I've never. We'll have to hunt that one down. Yeah, I've never really thought about that or heard of it. And then recently I've noticed it happening more. And maybe it's just something that I haven't noticed. Or maybe it's just like a crazy coincidence that that now I'm just paying attention to more. But I wanted to know if it happened to other people. Or you. it doesn't happen to me. It doesn't. No. Okay. So you're just, like, driving or walking and the streetlights go out behind you? It's or? only when I'm walking. And it doesn't happen all the time. So, like, I don't know. For me, I think it might just be, like, a coincidence. But for Marina and Scout, they say it happens to them all the time. And, like, growing up when they were walking on a street, because California, there are streetlights everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd be walking around. And as they would pass the light or, like, be walking underneath it, the light would kind of go out or flicker out.
0: So is it supposed to be something more spiritual or is it supposed to just be some sort of energy interference for people who are more open and maybe project a stronger energy?
1: It's more of an energy interference. Okay. It's saying that some human bodies emit a very strong kind of energy that causes it to happen.
0: Well, now I need to go find some streetlights because <laughs> just walk back and forth for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have many around me that I'm walking past. Because if I'm walking, I'm in the city, and it's all the buildings and everything. It's lit up. Mm. But dang. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that so weird? So that's kind of a compliment, though, to know that your energy is so strong. Yeah.
1: I. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it happens to me nearly as much as it probably happens to Scout and Marina. But I just thought it was so fascinating, and I had never heard of it before and thought. And the two of you together when you yeah, were with Marina, and, the light yeah. flickered but i'm sure i mean we have listeners who are so in tune with the like, with certain energies that i'm oh, sure yes. they have more experiences with it than we do tell us teach us maybe you didn't even know it was a real thing but
0: now you know you that's been happening a lot people email us after episodes and are yeah. like oh my gosh <laughs> i had no idea growing up i thought i was alone in this you're not you're, you're not alone
1: because ghosts are everywhere
0: Brea was visiting me last weekend. Mm-hmm. And one of the places that we went to on our little walking tour that I gave her was the Omni Parker House, which I believe is the oldest continually functioning hotel in the US. What? It's also the place where the Boston Cream Pie was born.
1: Yes. And
0: I think JFK proposed there. So there's a lot of stuff. And then there's, there's a lot also- of history. Yeah, it's supposed to be very haunted as well. And I wasn't really thinking about it being haunted when we went in because we just went up to the bar to get a Boston Boston cream Cream pie. pie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we went to the bathroom after. Excuse my vocal fry. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just address all of our bad reviews right now. (laughs) Yeah, someone said they didn't like our vocal fry. I'm like, sorry, some of us have gravelly, deeper voices. Yeah.
1: I think whatever. it's beautiful and sexy, Corinne.
0: Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we were in the bathroom, and then we we're washing our hands, and then another toilet flushes a few stalls down. And I, I didn't really pay much attention to it, but Freya just looks at me, and she goes, we're alone in here. I was like, what? She said, we're, we're alone. No one is in here, and the toilet just flushed. And so I walked over, and I looked underneath the stall, and I was like, oh, shit. Were they automatic, or are they? Yeah, they're motion-sensored. <sighs> Ooh. Which, I mean, who knows because those yeah. things are so sensitive, but that's never happened to me before where one goes off when no one's in the stall. So instead of streetlight
1: interference, you have toilet interference. I wonder who was in the bathroom with us. That's interesting. I mean, we talk about it a lot. Ghosts love bathrooms.
0: Yeah, it's such a weird thing.
1: Yeah. Our theory is that it's because you're more vulnerable
0: and you let your guard down because right. you're mostly alone or behind a closed door you have a
1: moment to yourself. Or I think maybe as a ghost, there are certain things that you can't do anymore because you're a ghost. Like you don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. So maybe they just like miss the human connection of going to the bathroom. So they just hang out in there.
0: Mm, That's odd. (laughs) I think I would miss other
1: things and prioritize other things. I, there is a feeling that comes after peeing that is a, great relief
0: do you hold your pee too long it sounds yes, like it.
1: absolutely <laughs> god bless you you know, I say god bless you because i think that when you sneeze like you're like basically sneezing out your soul yeah
0: also i have to get naked i'm so. <laughs> i'm so sorry do it that's fine i'm so sorry I'm like literally Dude, i don't care i don't care
1: i'm so sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll try to i'll put it on the front of
1: me no, it's okay. Be naked. I don't know why I'm sweating. Ooh! All right, I'm ready. This is a new way to record the podcast. Oh God! Well,
0: should we get into our topic? Mm-hmm. So a few a few episodes back, we had mentioned the possibility of doing one where we strayed a bit away from ghosts and spirits and just did something that was weird, whether mm-hmm. they be monsters or creatures or ufos hidden treasure just all of the paranormal that excludes ghosts yeah so that's what we're doing this week what did you do (laughs) oh do i have to go first Wait, yeah i had a really hard time choosing what to do You and me both, yeah. Because you were like, I went down a rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing, and I'm not doing
1: either of the two options that I said I was going to do. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, then also we spent an hour texting not – not an hour. We spent like 20 minutes texting each other yesterday, and I was like, there are all these great things. And I listed a million, and then you're like, wait, I want to do this one. And I was like, no, I'm too scared. And then, yeah. Yeah. I was very indecisive. I'm an indecisive person as is. I didn't do that one, so oh. it doesn't matter. <laughs> Okay, I
0: okay, so I've always been very fascinated by people who just vanish without a trace, yes, like Roanoke, even mm-hmm. like Machu Picchu when I was hiking at Machu Picchu, We heard all about the theories of where the people went and what happened, and oh my gosh, that stuff sticks with me, and that's the stuff that really freaks me out because yeah. it feels like it can happen to anyone, right, and there's no explanation, so. I chose The Village of the Dead. (gasps)
1: Wait, I almost did this one. Really? Oh, no. Do
0: you know stuff about it? No, I don't know anything.
1: I looked at it because I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And then I just said like, okay, but I also found another better one. Or not a better one. I found a different... (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Better for me to research. (laughs) Okay, more... Yeah. Not what I meant. I'm sorry. I'm
0: eating my words. Okay. Um, I'll just preface this by saying that almost... All of this info was taken from mysteriousuniverse.org. I spent
1: hours on that website. Yeah.
0: I'm just retelling you in my own words their article. Perfect. Credit to them. Go check them out. Because, yeah, like you said, you can spend hours. They have everything. Yeah. All right. But into the story. So this is the village of the dead, the Anjikuni mystery. And it's in Nunavut, Canada. November of 1930, there was a Canadian fur trapper named John LaBelle, and he was looking for shelter from the cold because he was walking along the trail and night was coming. It was absolutely freezing because it's November in Canada. So he's looking for some place to just spend the night and warm up. And he heads towards an Inuit village located on Lake Injikuni. He'd been to this village before, um, but this time upon approaching the site... He got a really weird feeling, and he felt like something was off.
1: So Trust your gut. mm -hmm.
0: He noted that there was no smoke coming out of any of the chimneys, which was weird because it's winter, so you would light a fire to stay warm. Mm -hmm. But he did see a fire off in the distance in the village, like on the ground. So he starts approaching that fire, and he calls out to the villagers, but there's nothing. This normally busy and bustling village just was silent and still. So he heads towards the crackling fire and he notices that the fire is under burnt stew. So the stew has been left and it's now bad because someone did not attend the fire for as long as they should have. He popped into the huts and noticed that they looked as though they were suddenly abandoned because meals were left half-cooked. There were valuable weapons like their shotguns, all their tools, their furs were left just out in the open or hanging or wherever. And um, even in one of the huts, there was a seal skin coat that was for a child and it was just left mid-stitch. Like someone was sewing it up and then just dropped it and walked out, just disappeared. This is
1: Oh, these things blow my mind. Someone actually posted recently on our Facebook group a bunch of up and abandoned homes. So if you go in, it just is like left as exactly as it was before. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow.
0: There's actually uh, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum here in uh, Boston. She, in her will, she said no one was allowed to – you can't bring anything in, you can't take anything out, and you can't, like, move stuff around. So it's pretty much exactly as she had
1: it. She was this art collector. And wow. It's pretty But cool. at least in that version, you know she, it was her will, whereas yeah, a lot of these other so- stories, it's like you have no idea what happened or why someone decided just to leave it all behind.
0: Right. Okay, keep
1: going. Their
0: kayaks and their boats that they used for fishing and hunting were – left on the shore, but a little too far down in the shore. So the waves were crashing over them. So not an ideal spot for them to be. If these villagers were just planning on taking a little trip and returning, they didn't leave things the way that they should have been. There was plenty of food left at the village too. And this guy, the fur trapper, John LaBelle, he walked into this fish storehouse. So he walked in and there was plenty of fish, plenty of food, but absolutely No people all the houses and stores were left seemingly open as if life was going on and people were going to be going around and eating and making fur whatever but no one was working in them just no one was anywhere oh my gosh and labelle was an experienced outdoorsman so he began to just assume that they left that they traveled somewhere else because back in that day like the early 1900s, the Inuit people some of some of those Inuit tribes were a little bit nomadic, but it's winter, so like that was weird if they would yeah. decide to to go and leave all of their stuff behind. And if you decide
1: if you decide to leave, fine, but you take things with you and you don't leave stew cooking over a fire. Exactly, and it will get worse. So we'll continue. <gasps> oh no.
0: So then LaBelle's like, okay, well, let me find out which way they went. So he goes around the border of the village in an attempt to track which direction the Inuit people went, and he didn't find anything. There were no tracks, no broken twigs, like nothing. No footprints in the snow, nothing. So then he decided it was best not to hang around this eerie ass village. Good idea. And succumb to whatever paranormal force took these villagers or forced them to leave. And so he risked walking in the freezing cold in the night to get to the next town. He survives the trip, and he, within just a few minutes, informs the Royal Canadian Mountain Police of what he saw via telegraph, because this was 1930. Reminds me of the Black Eyed Kids. Can I use I know your telegraph. telegraph, please? May we use your telegraph? Later on, when LaBelle was interviewed by reporters, he was quoted to say, I felt immediately that something was wrong. In view of half-cooked dishes, I knew they had been disturbed during the preparation of dinner. In every cabin, I found a rifle leaning beside the door, and no Eskimo goes nowhere without his gun. I understood that something terrible had happened. So the next day, the police, or the Mounties as they're known in Canada, head up to the mountain to inspect the village. And on their way, they stopped for a break where they met another trapper named Armand Laurent. 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 And he was there with his two sons, and they asked Laurent. Am I saying that (laughs) right? I think so. Laurent, yeah. They asked Laurent if he had seen anything strange over the past few days, and he and his son said yes, in fact, they had. They said that they saw an enormous illuminated object flying through the sky. What? And as they were watching it, it changed the shape from this cylinder-type shape to a bullet-like shape. And the Mounties Whoa. were like, okay, well, where was it going? And then they pointed to the direction of the village where the people just gone missing.
1: This Knowing a-
0: nothing about the villagers or why the Mounties were up there, they pointed towards the village. This is another case of see
1: something, say something. Say something, say
0: something! So the Mounties finally arrived to the village, and what they found is more disturbing than what LaBelle had seen in his few minutes of searching for the villagers in life. Every grave had been opened and left empty. (gasps) The stone markers that were put at the heads of the graves to mark where they were were all stacked into two neat piles next to the gravesite. What? And this is extremely taboo to mess with graves in the Indian yeah. culture. And I feel like any culture. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cultures. You don't mess with the graves. Um, yeah. But even stranger it was that, let's remember, it's November in Canada. It's very cold and the ground is completely frozen. So whoever or whatever did that was able to cleanly remove the deceased from the frozen ground. But where are the bodies? There was nothing left in the graves. Just empty sites. Oh, my goodness. What else did they find, do you ask? I don't know. You tell me. Something very, very sad. No. About 300 feet away from the border of the village, they found a few sled dogs tied to trees. The reports were differing as to how many there were. Some reports said seven. I read others that said, like, two or three. But the sled dogs were tied to trees and they were dead apparently from starvation. So if the villagers did in fact abandon camp in the past couple of days, which is what they thought had happened because there was still a fire burning, it wouldn't explain how the dogs died of starvation because it had only been a couple of days. Oh my So gosh, then so the poor they puppies. start asking themselves when did this happen? What happened and when did it happen? So the Mounties concluded that based on the state of the food that they found, the villagers most likely had at least, they left at least two months before. Two months, and no one knew. No one. But who lit the fire? is my question. Was someone just pass? is there one remaining person who just like, was so shocked and torn up by what they had, what had happened or what they had seen, that they keep coming back and trying to like, live their life and start their fire and eat their food and then they ran into the forest when la belle came up i don't know
1: oh my goodness the fire has no explanation right and burnt stew so that kind of goes against your theory because if someone was just sitting at the fire and then ran the stew wouldn't be burnt right it's just everything about this is
0: bizarre oh my gosh also strange is that while they were searching the village, the Mounties reported seeing blue lights pulsating on the horizon and that the lights moved in a way that did not resemble the Aurora Borealis or the Northern Lights. So they were like, this is not the Northern Lights. This is something different. So were they being watched? I don't know. And in 1959, an American journalist, Frank Edwards, brought life back into the story when he wrote about it in his book Stranger Than Science. And the Royal Canadian Mountain Police said that he fabricated the entire thing, that there's no record of such case, and that it wouldn't make sense for a large population like that to live in such a remote area, that blah, 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 it's all made up, blah. However, that's untrue. Because the first report came the same year that the event supposedly took place, which is 19 years before Edward's book, so he did not make it up. And additionally, there yeah. are at least two known records of investigations into the disappearance by members of the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. And 20 years after Edward's book, in November of 1976, I think I wrote that wrong. I think I remember it was 1979, but that doesn't really matter. Okay. Fate magazine writes an article called Vanished Village Revisited, which confirmed records that the Royal Canadian Mountain Police investigated the case And so the Mounties finally admit that they did investigate the abandoned village, but that they closed the case because they didn't believe that there was anything mysterious about it. So apparently, abandoning your home in winter, leaving behind your valuable possessions, i.e. sled dogs and rifles, isn't anything mysterious, according to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police.
1: Or it was too mysterious and they were just like, we can't mess with this. A cold case that maybe they were embarrassed about? I don't know. That is vanished without a trace. That is, wow. Mm -hmm. So there are a
0: bunch of people obviously speculating about what happened and what could cause everyone to just up and leave all of their valuables and possessions behind. It's not like someone came in and forced them out because everything was left perfectly and there were no tracks in the ground. There was no visible path. So a lot of people think aliens. If this is the case, then it is quite possibly one of the largest mass alien abductions
1: known. The blue light. When you said the blue light, they reminded me of your story in college when you saw the blue light. Yes. And we saw. And then.
0: We saw UFOs. There was a big flash of blue light. And we all went out on the balcony. Right. There was one UFO that we saw for, we're watching for 10 minutes, a line of lights. Yeah. And then It vanished and then reappeared out in the horizon and joined a bunch of other lights that were over the ocean. So could have been that. You
1: could have disappeared. It could have been you.
0: Ugh. and then Taylor was trying to videotape and I was yelling at her not to videotape because they'll know and then they'll come get us. the stuff is so scary. But anyway, so this is possibly one of the largest mass alien abductions that we know about. And like you said, the Mounties seeing the blue lights and the flying object being seen right. by the fur trapper, the cleanly dug graves, the mass disappearance, etc. But there's another theory. There are a few more theories, actually. Oh, another okay. theory is that the people left because of a demon. And the people in the area believe in a demonic entity called Tor- Torn Garsuk. Torn- oh, my God. <laughs> Torn Garsuk. Torn Garsuk. Which is a powerful sky deity who was the leader of malevolent spirits. And the demon remains undetectable by regular people. But the Inuit shamans are the ones who have the special ability to see the demon. And so when they see them, mm. they'll say whatever they need to say in this ritual. And then perform an animal sacrifice to keep peace with the demon. And mm. the demon also has been said to take animal form. Which leads to the theory that maybe the Inuit people thought that their sled dogs were the demon and that's why they abandoned them. But it still leaves so many unanswered questions. Yeah. And then another theory that I made up. (laughs) There is a cannibalistic monster wood spirit that lurks in the forest in that area called Wendigo. So maybe the Wendigo came, but... Then there would have been battle and blood. So maybe my theory yeah. that I just added for fun is not real. <laughs> but
1: then. But he could have like a feeding ground that he takes people to.
0: Right. But then also, if it's a village as big as it's supposed to be, wouldn't you. Right. People start running or notice people going missing or the thing coming in and snatching people? It wouldn't just leave like every single person just. It's like they put their hands up and then just vanished. They stopped what they were doing and just
1: vanished. Yikes. I mean, I understand being afraid of something and everyone gathering to leave, but then you wouldn't have time to dig up the dead and take them with you. Exactly. And one of
0: the most important things that you need to survive in this tundra is a rifle Mm -hmm. or hunting materials and tools and sled dogs. They would never have left their sled dogs behind or all of their weapons or all of their furs for warmth. Or their kayak. (sighs) just doesn't make sense. But on to my favorite theory. This is the last theory, and this is the one that I think is very possible to have happened, even though aliens – I also think aliens, but I also want to think this – Okay. Is that there could have been another dimension that opened up and swallowed them all at once. And it would explain. Oh my God, I love
1: this already. Why
0: everyone vanished mid chore and that the dogs were kept 300 feet away from the village when they were tied up. So maybe the dogs were just tied up. That was their normal spot. And then this dimension portal wormhole thing opened up, sucked everyone down. But because the dogs were 300 feet away, they were too far out to be sucked in with them. So then they were just. Too
1: far out. Get it? Cause like. Far out, man. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: And uh, like, I mean, I'm growing up. I loved hearing about the stories of, uh, what's that guy? Like the Orion Williamson, who was that guy in the U S who was walking on that trail and just vanished like poof into the field. Yeah, and then his, his son reported hearing him yell or like the, the sounds of his voice for the following week, so they think he got sucked into like another dimension and was stuck in the It's like stranger things. Days. And then there was another case. Whoa. I think it was in England, um, James Warson. James something. James something. And he vanished into thin air again in front of some of his friends. He was running and they were—they had, like, a cart alongside him, and all of a sudden he just started screaming and falling into something that they couldn't see, and he just vanished. So there are other stories of people just poof, and I wonder if a big wow.
1: sort of portal opened up portal in this village. I love that theory because then they're all mm-hmm. still alive. And they're just like living it out in another dimension, which ugh, interdimensional travel is my dream. I know. <laughs> so, just want to hop around and see where what I'm doing in another dimension. That makes the most. I sense honestly, to me. there are times where I think my dreams are dreams of other dimensions, and that like deja vu is when there's crossover between dimensions, so you've actually already experienced that. Because there are other dimensions where your life is living out a certain way. Oh, that's freaky. That's, I think, I can't remember who's told me that before,
0: but someone else has that there, where it's like, if you misplace your phone or you misplace something and then you return to it and the item is actually still there, what if it's not a ghost? What if it's not your mind just being crazy? What if another version of you in another dimension had grabbed your phone And done something. And for that bleep of a second, the two dimensions have crossed and your items are no longer there. (laughs) You know what what I just thought
1: of? Because there are a lot of times where I'll be like, oh my gosh, where's my phone? And it's in my hand. Uh (laughs) But yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Oh. Why don't we know
0: more? (laughs) I just want... (laughs) I want to watch Interstellar again.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. I also... I love, the twi- I love Twilight Zone because of this reason, like the idea of just like a, f- a little twist on the society mm-hmm. that we are in. Oh,
0: oh you know so what I'm so excited about? One of my what? favorite books growing up, and I actually just reread it last year or two years ago just out of curiosity to see if it was actually good because in my childhood mind it was really good. <laughs> a Wrinkle in Time. I oh, yeah. I
1: loved that book.
0: And that now they're making it book. into
1: a movie. They are, Oh, yeah, wait, it comes out soon, doesn't it? I'm pretty next sure. Year? Oprah's in it. Yes. Oprah, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, it's a pretty
0: big cast.
1: Yeah. A wrinkle in time. I hope it's good. So when you were telling your story, there's a show on Netflix called The 4400, and it's very similar. It's basically... Oh, oh, I was thinking of The 100. No, that's <laughs> a good show, too. But The 4400, it's where... to so basically... Over five decades, people just randomly disappear. And then after this, these five decades, all of a sudden, all 4,400 people just reappear. None of them have aged. What? Where did they go? Do you know? Does it tell you? It was alien abduction. But they come back and they have, like, special powers. <gasps> this is my dream. You, I think you would like okay. it. Okay. But I don't know. I feel like now it's hard to read you. Sometimes I think you'll like things when you don't like them. I did finish End of the Fucking World. I liked it more
0: than when I first texted to you because I was an episode and a half in and I really didn't like it. Yeah. And I liked it more when I continued, but I never (laughs) would
1: probably recommend it.
0: (laughs) But so many other people love it.
1: Yeah, I do love it. I loved it. But I did feel, like, similar to you. Like, when I first started, I was like, meh. Maybe it's just because And then it grew on me. I didn't just, like, binge it all at
0: once. I – watched a few episodes and then made a judgment that i didn't like it and then tried to go through the rest of it so maybe it was just my own issue yeah yep but that is the story of the village of the dead nobody knows where they are it's a big mystery i think that they're on another dimension I'm assuming you chose a story
1: that is not Other
0: Dimensions.
1: It does take place in our current dimension that we live in, that we record this podcast in. Although I'm curious to know if Other Dimensions have our podcast
0: <laughs> now available on Other Dimensions. Please email <laughs> us at two girls one guest podcast at gmail.com if you're listening from another dimension.
1: <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, I actually chose kind of – disappearance story but also hidden treasure story (laughs) treasure so it's the superstition mountains and the lost dutchman's gold so not the flying dutchman the lost dutchman the lost dutchman also this week i got like so into all these conspiracies that i was like ready to move into an rv and start getting my red string out and connecting weird dots and solving (laughs) the answers to the mystery to the universe god i've never wanted anything to happen more i'll never brush my hair i'll have six cats and my rv will like I'll have this crazy method of organization and no one will understand it except for me. You'll go missing and then you'll reappear in nine months on one of the Finding Sasquatch
0: documentaries. (laughs) Oh, I heard him. He makes this noise. Oh.
1: I apparently develop an accent while I'm in my (laughs) RV. It's just what I picture. Okay. So I'll tell you about the Superstition Mountains. The Superstitions, as people call them, is a range of mountains located in Arizona to the east of Phoenix. There are a ton of notable landmarks, including Weaver's Needle, which is an eroded spire of rock that came from an ancient volcano. And next to the Grand Canyon, Superstition Mountain Range is the most photographed and painted landmark in Arizona. Super pretty. It's very pretty. The most notable part of the superstitions is the hidden treasure and the mysterious deaths and disappearances that have taken place within its terrain. Mm. So a little bit of history. In 1540, the Spanish conquistadors. Conquistadors? Sure. It says. Sure. (laughs) Came to Arizona in search of gold. And the local Pima and Apache Indians shared many warnings about the land. They were afraid of the thunder god who was believed to live in the mountains. They believed that anyone who dared to trespass on his sacred land would be destroyed. So they told the Spanish settlers that during nights and days they would hear strange sounds coming from the mountains. And they warned them that if they went into the mountains, that people would disappear and die. This is in Arizona. So this is in Arizona. Arizona is so –
0: they've got – Way more. Everyone keeps talking about Florida being weird. No. Arizona is the weirdest place in the world. They have Area 51. A lot of haunted
1: places, a lot of creatures lurking, chupacabras. The Native Americans that lived there just warned the Spanish to not enter the mountains. But no one listens to anyone. So the Spanish explored the mountains anyway. And guess what happened? They died. They disappeared and died. So people would start to disappear, and men would just stray a few feet away from the group and never be what? seen again. How does that happen? I know. It's crazy. This whole thing is like – there's, no there's no real theories of what it is. I understand if you're scuba diving
0: or something and you're underwater how easily you can lose sight of someone, but right. the visibility above ground in Arizona. And
1: in a desert landscape, too.
0: That doesn't make sense.
1: I mean, sure, if you stray off the path, I guess you can fall off a rock or stumble or there are crevices that you could explore. But later, some of these people were discovered, and they had been mutilated with their heads cut off. And this is a theme that will play into the whole legend behind Superstition Mountains. The
0: hills have
1: eyes. Many people will show up with their heads cut off. So, people became so frightened of the mountain that they named it Superstition Mountains, and it was altogether known as a terrible and evil place. Then, in the 1840s, and there are a few different variations of how the story is told, but this is the story that I read most, so I'm telling it this way. So, in the 1840s, a German immigrant named Jacob Waltz came to America. He heard of gold in the West, so he moved to Arizona. And this is where things get even more mysterious. According to legend, he found a massive gold mine hidden in the mountains, but he's but he kept the location completely to himself and he kept it a secret. He was the only person to ever know its location, and he refused to hire help to mine the gold because he was afraid that since he didn't own the land, whoever he hired to help him would steal from him or turn oh, the money over to someone else. Oh, so he was actually
0: taking else. the gold and selling the gold. Yes,
1: yeah. So Smart he man. would just right. So, but like. People in the towns would say that Waltz would show up occasionally out of nowhere with nuggets of gold and he would just buy lots of drinks and be very kind of weird about where he got it. And people knew that he would go into the mountains to find it, but he would never kind of share or divulge information on more of where the gold was. Well, I wouldn't either. That's like someone winning a lottery ticket, and
0: before they claim it, they run around and say, ooh, look at this. I won $400 (laughs)
1: million. Now Kill me now and steal my money. Right. Um, Well, a lot of people did follow him while he ventured into the mountains to try and find it, but he was so smart that he would know people were following him, and he would – because he was so familiar with the terrain, he would lead them astray and make them get lost within the mountains, which people would die that way, which I think is – is interesting and might come in later. So apparently he even shot two men who came close to finding the gold. Wow. And apparently Walt sold around $250,000 worth of gold to the U.S. Mint in the 1800s, which in today's money is over $5,500,000. How
0: how did no one find—if he—if it's walking distance, someone should have found it by now.
1: Well— he would like. I have a theory that he is preventing people from finding it.
0: Like he, the ghost of him is still.
1: Yeah, but it's confusing because people would die in the mountains before he died. So, so basically, no one ever found out where Waltz was going. Waltz never told anyone. He spent his whole life keeping the secret. But on his deathbed in 1891, he apparently whispered the location to Julia Thomas, who was a boarding house owner who had taken care of him for many years. Well, what did she do? So he apparently drew the location of the gold on a map and gave it to her. And Julia ended up teaming up with two men, and they spent months and months looking for the gold, using the map that Waltz gave them, and still they found nothing. So people believe that the gold doesn't even exist, but then where was he getting this money and why would yeah. he venture into the mountains to and come back with gold, right? Right. So the map that he gave Julia has since disappeared and no one knows where it is. And just a heads up, if you decide after hearing this story that you're going to go to Arizona and look for the gold and someone tries to sell you a map and they say that this is the location of it, don't buy it. It's a waste of money because the map does not exist. I probably would have bought it if you hadn't told me that that's why I, f- I felt like I needed to share that information and save your save your three dollars <laughs> so there are countless of num- countless numbers of people who have dedicated time and even their lives to finding the gold like real treasure hunters, but no one has successfully found it, and a lot of people have died searching for it. There are two men, Sims Eli and Jim Bark, who spent 25 years searching for the gold mine but never found anything. They coined it the Lost Dutchman Mine. Except for when I read this, I was like, no wonder they didn't find the money because Jacob Waltz was from Germany. So they clearly had some geography issues. And if they called it the Lost Dutchman Mine, there's no way that they'd be able to find the gold if they can't figure out where Germany is. (laughs) You know. Um, But these two men, Sims Eli and Jim Bark, are notable because while searching for the gold, they didn't die. Good for them. While many other people did. So I'll just read a few stories of people who have died and then maybe a few of my theories because I couldn't find any real theories online. Okay. So the president of Superstition Mountain Museum, he claims that more hikers disappear or die in Superstition Mountains than any other mountain range around the world. And around four or five hikers die annually. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there is what is called or what is known as the Peralta Massacre, which occurred in 1848, where a Mexican family was allegedly slaughtered by Apache Indians while searching for the gold. And to me, it sounds like they, the Indians were kind of protecting the land, and they felt that if anyone took from the land, then the thunder, thunder god or the spirits that they believed in would punish them. Mm-hmm. So they felt responsible for protecting the land. In 1896, three people died, and they were all found with their heads decapitated from their bodies. Are these the, the Indian tribes doing this, or what do they think? Well, that's one of my theories. But then the Indian tribes were also so terrified. And then why was Jacob Waltz able to go and find the gold so easily unless he, like, sold his soul to the devil, which is very possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Or maybe he gave gold to the Indians, too, as, like, a – Or that. Thanks for letting me pass. Don't let anyone else pass.
1: Yeah. It's all so mysterious. In 1910, a woman went missing. But when her body was found a few months later, next to her body was a bag with a few gold nuggets inside. <gasps> no way! Mhm. And then one of the most famous and mysterious deaths that took place in superstition mountains was that of Dr. Adolf Ruth. He set out on a 2-week voyage in June of 1931 in search of the treasure, but he never came home. And it wasn't until December of 1931 that when, that searches finally came up with a human skull with two bullet holes from a 44 caliber officials determined that ruth had been shot at point blank range and somehow his head had detached from his body
0: holy crap so
1: some people theorize that he killed himself but then how did his head detach from his body unless the power was like that strong it which i've severed never severed his head of, I mean, it
0: doesn't mean it's not a thing but i've never heard of that happening right
1: but then also his body was found a few months later like a third of a mile away so how did the head travel so far from his body unless it was an animal picking it up and moving it right but then while looking for the rest of his body and his belongings a man happened to find a bottle that was floating along a creek and in the bottle was a note which read i'm sitting under a tree in a creek with a leg broke i've got to have help quick finder of this note please give to howard peterson p.s have found the lost dutchman But so everyone that then, finds it dies mm-hmm. on their journey back. Oh, or people who get close seem to be seem to seem to die as well. Is it bad? So of me then that I really want to go try to find it. Don't do it, Corinne. I don't want you to die. I'll
0: wear a helmet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So when his, the rest of his body was found, it was found at a camp where all of his remains were left, kind of seemingly. Abandoned? Like, untouched? Untouched, yeah. So, like, he was doing something and then all of a sudden was killed. His head was removed, whatnot. And there was a note in his, where is it? Let's see. There was a handwritten note in his checkbook that said the phrase, Veni Vidi Vici, I came, I saw, I conquered. Mm-hmm. And his gun that he had with him had all of its bullets in, intact. It was not missing a single bullet. So So it wasn't his gun that killed him. So that's the mystery. No one knows about him or how he died or who killed him. There's another one where in the 1940s, a man, James A. Carvey, had spent 10 days in Superstition Mountains, and he called his pilot to come pick him back up. But when the pilot arrived, Carvey was nowhere to be found, and His headless body was discovered, but his skull wasn't found until six months later. So a ton of bodies have just been found without heads. Some bodies have not been able to be identified. Uh, Others, their heads have never been found. But everyone believes that it's connected to this curse that exists in Superstition Mountains. And whoever goes searching for the gold will die if you get close to it.
0: People need to just wear GoPros. And
1: live stream everything so we can see what's happening. I know. Okay. So one last story, which is I think is very interesting and mysterious, is there is a man named James Kidd who had a ridiculous amount of money and spent a lot of time in Superstition Mountains, but no one knows where he got his money from. So people think that he was going into the mountains and he had found the gold and he was just making quick trips similar to how Jacob Waltz was spending time in the mountains, coming back with money. And he died in 1940 or he disappeared in 1949 and no one ever found his body. But a year later they found that he had left half a million dollar fortune behind. And then, Oh, and then, Oh, this is the interesting part. This is the thing that connects it to ghosts. So he had, they found that he left half a million dollars behind, had no idea how he had made that money. And he left his entire estate to, to anyone who could prove that ghosts existed. Us. Us. We could do it. <laughs> are we getting a new house? Are we moving to Arizona? <laughs> I would be so down to move to Arizona with you and prove that ghosts are real and just enjoy our half a million dollar fortune.
0: But I also, the greed, the greed in me, I want to
1: go find them out.
0: <laughs> the the mind. Because <laughs> there's
1: more within it.
0: But how did he get – so, okay, so he was eventually not allowed passage is what we're
1: right. assuming. But if he – So maybe greed, maybe greed gets the best of you and then you die or you disappear. I do wonder
0: too if it's like – if it's your intentions of something. Right. If some creature or something can read who you are and what your intentions are with the money and then depending on what it is, you either are allowed passage or you're killed.
1: It's so – yeah, it's fascinating.
0: Or local if someone's Indi- plan is to expose it, if they're going to keep it secret, they're allowed to go and get a certain amount maybe of gold. Oh, interesting. And they have a limit. And then if they keep trying to come if back – they take too much, turns yeah. into greed and they're killed. But if their plan, if their intention is to expose the
1: mountain, then they're killed.
0: Goodbye.
1: Well, yeah, local Native Americans believe – that there is a hole within Superstition Mountains that leads down into hell. And that's why they're so afraid of it. Wait, but is this, also it's... What
0: I feel like I've read about some gold treasure mountain where there's little creatures that
1: kill the people. I did not read anything about little creatures in this one. But there are a bunch of different lost treasures throughout... The U.S. in different mountains. There's one where there's like little tiny beings that come out and murder you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Protect the gold or whatever. It's a treasure. But it's interesting that all of the deaths seem to happen the same way. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's very possible that Native Americans that live in the land are protecting it and killing these people. But they also seem so terrified of the land that why would they – it's kind of a savage way to act. You wouldn't think that they would behave in that way. Right. So my other theory is that it doesn't really line up because Jacob Waltz didn't die until 1891 and deaths and stuff started happening before that time. But my other theory is that when Jacob Waltz died, he his ghost lives in superstitious mountains or superstition mountains, and he is protecting and misleading people. Away from the ghost, oh. or away from the gold. So
0: maybe that's why that person said anyone who believes in ghosts can have my estate yeah, maybe. because he's seen the ghost of John, and John let him. And- Jacob, Jacob, John, Jacob,
1: jingleheimersmit. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know, but it's very mysterious. But if you do decide to go look for the gold, probably shouldn't unless you have a death wish. Um, also. Uh, Another note, if you do find the gold, you can't technically do anything with it because the Superstition Wilderness is one of eight congress congressionally designated wilderness zones, which prohibits people from disturbing, leaving, or taking anything from the preserved area. But if people don't know you did it, they don't know you got your gold there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Which I guess there's no winning situation here because most likely if you just go in and try to find the gold, you're going to be killed. So the smart thing besides just not going (laughs) is the smart thing. But (laughs) what I would do is I would like Facebook Live or film it. But then you're working against yourself because if you actually do find the gold, then everyone knows that you found it. And then you can't use that gold or take it or money
1: because you go to jail. Also, it might be a little weird if you do find it and then you just show up at a bank with like a bunch of gold and say, give me some cash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could go to one of those cash for gold places on every corner. How legit is that, though? I don't know. Oh, gosh. But that is Superstition Mountains in Arizona.
0: There's just, like, something in me so badly that wants to go for- I know. try. It's like the the journey to the center of the earth and all those movies. The Pacifiers, Spy Kids. Like,
1: y- you just want to find the treasure. I know. I just so badly, like, of course, I think because we watch movies, I want to be the lead character. But I just know that I'm not. And I'm not going to. I wouldn't find the gold. <laughs> I really wouldn't. Okay, but while I was doing the research, I have to just share this. I'm not I'm not going to go into the story, but this is a real thing. There is a dancing plague of 1518. Oh, where, yes, I've heard of this. Have you heard of this? Yes. Where it was a dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, Alsace, Alsace. It's part of the Roman Empire. But around 400 people took to dancing for days without rest. And over the period, which was like about a month long, people died of heart attack, stroke, and exhaustion. Mm -hmm. I would love to go that way. It sounds like so much fun. But think of how horrible it
0: is to be exhausted.
1: But then there's also a really fun moment of exhaustion where you're just so out of it. But it, like and you just start laughing hysterically. <laughs> Maybe for the first hour I would enjoy it, but <laughs> four hundred yeah. hours is yeah.
0: There were so oh my gosh, wait, it reminds me of something that I read. I didn't choose it, but in Bridgewater, Massachusetts, which isn't far from me, there's something called the Bridgewater Triangle. It's almost like a Bermuda Triangle type thing.
1: Oh my gosh. But
0: there in the Bridgewater Triangle, a ton of UFOs are seen. There's also pterodactyls that have been seen. What? Fighting with each other in the air and just flying around. Pterodactyls. Yes. And then I know someone who works down in Bridgewater. And so I asked him, I said, have you ever seen a pterodactyl or anything weird? And he said he hasn't seen any of that stuff, but really weird things do happen. Like a lot of strange deaths. Like a lot of people die by getting hit by trains and just like weird things. So...
1: Well, it's interesting because triangles typically are demonic symbols. Illuminati. Illuminati. But then also I wonder if triangles have something to do with dimensions and what if the island that you research has exists within a triangle that leads to another dimension? And that all these triangles are like portals. Oh my god. What if dinosaurs didn't really go extinct? But they all fell into another dimension.
0: Uh huh. A bunch of them did. Some of them Gosh, didn't. That's really why we still have
1: fossils. But some of grim. them did. We really need to get our RV and do this. I this know. is like we could solve I know the universe mystery. Not to go off mystery. on another
0: tangent, but also <laughs> I did read because I just went into this whole cryptozoology hole and, and had trouble getting yes. out. But apparently in Africa, there are these tribes, these indigenous people who report seeing dinosaurs and researchers will go in and show them pictures of a bunch of animals some extinct some not some of them are dinosaurs and they all pick and point to the pictures of the dinosaurs as the ones that they see
1: oh wow but they would
0: have no way of knowing i mean it's we obviously
1: there are some types of dinosaurs that still exist
0: oh yeah crocodiles and
1: chickens they've evolved and we also don't know what happens underwater, so no, who knows we, what's underwater? No, we there. know nothing. We've made that clear.
0: <laughs> um, we have
1: some people, though, that have emailed us with yes. some mysterious experiences. Things. Don't even know what to call them. Unknown mysteries. Unsolved mysteries.
0: So this is from Emily. It's called Hiking Slash Pope Lick Monster. Hello, ladies. I've just finished listening to The Hiking Buddies and this story came to mind and I had to share. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and my dad and uncle had told me about the Pope Lick Monster ever since I was a young kid. I always thought they completely made this up as that is the kind of people that they are and they love making up stories. A couple years ago, I finally decided to Google the Pope Lick Monster as my dad and uncle just could not let the story go. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the Pope Lick Monster is a real legend that everyone in the area knows about. As the legend goes, the Popelick Monster is part man, part goat, and part sheep creature, reported to live beneath the railroad trestle bridge over Popelick Creek, in the Fisherville neighborhood of Louisville, Kentucky. According to
1: that's how it got its name. It's not a monster that licks popes. That's what I thought. (laughs) I was like, where does the Pope come in play?
0: (laughs) Well, they chose the wrong area. You don't live in Kentucky if you're trying to lick the Pope. (laughs) Well, the pope could come visit. I don't know. Uh, that's a one one. Sh- you got one <laughs> shot. <laughs> According to some accounts, the creature uses either hypnosis or voice mimicry to lure trespassers into the trestle to meet their death before an oncoming train.
1: <gasps> no, that's the worst way to go. Yeah.
0: Wow, I wonder if that's how people in Bridgewater get hit by trains, too. Maybe there's more Popelix. Okay. <laughs>
1: Other stories. Just, <laughs> just the Pope at the Vatican being licked by a monster.
0: Other stories claim the monster jumps down from the trestle onto the roofs roofs. Roofs? The roof. The roof. <laughs> Let me re-say that sentence. Yeah. yeah. Other <laughs> Other stories claim the monster jumps down from the trestle onto the roofs of cars passing beneath it. Yet other legends tell that it attacks the victims with a blood-stained axe and that the very sight of the creature is so unsettling that those who see it while walking across the high trestle are driven to leap off. Most locals of the area claim that the monster is really the twisted reincarnation form of a farmer who sacrificed goats in exchange for satanic powers. My dad and uncle claim that when they were kids, they snuck out of the house and went to the trestle as they did not believe it to be true. According to their story, they came face-to-face with the goat man and saw their lives flash before their eyes, and they ran straight home with barely making it out alive. Also, in 2016, an Ohio woman was struck and killed by a train while investigating the urban legend the Goat Man. Her and her boyfriend were walking along the trestle when an oncoming train appeared. He managed to jump no. and hang off the side while making out alive as his girlfriend was hit and fell 80 feet to oh. her death. Oh, my God. I hope you girls enjoyed this story. I love your podcast and i binge listening to it during my long days at work. Keep up the good work, Emily
1: wow dang that's so sad i just hearing stories like this and the superstition mountains it's like don't go in search of some of these things some things should be left unknown Mm -hmm. and maybe too with these things there the
0: legends are created the superstitions are created about these places just because they are such dangerous places and so people do fall victim to these places more frequently, whether it be oncoming trains or high bridges or slippery, rocky terrain. Slopes. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Well, I believe her
1: dad and I believe her uncle. I think they saw it. I do, too. I'm a little disappointed that it's not a monster looking a pope, but I think I can move past it. All right. It's supposed to be a scary podcast, not a fun one. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. Well, I have more scary stories. Okay, from Daniela, she emailed us, and the subject is "My Family Hauntings: Demon Dog Lala Rona and Le Lechuzas." Oh my! Which you did Lechuza, La Chuza, yeah, La Chuza, yeah. Okay, she says, "Hey, ladies." I am so excited to tell you my family hauntings. These stories were told during adult time, and naturally, as the nosy kid that I was, I hovered nearby and caught every single word. My family is Mexican, so our superstitions are rooted in legends, but after hearing these accounts, I'm not so sure the legends are lore at all. So surely there must be some truth in the tales, or so I'm convinced. Out of all the stories told on the late nights, Three have stuck with me into adulthood. The terror these stories caused in my childhood self was unlike any other. Please keep in mind that these stories are first-hand accounts. So let's get started, shall we? My mother was born in a small township in the northern state of Durango in Mexico. She grew up in a poor but happy family. When my mother was around 12 years old, reputed wife-beater was found dead on the side of the road. There was no grief or really any feeling of regret since the man had been cruel and a drunkard in his life. His wife worked endlessly to provide what a meager means she could afford for her three daughters. Every month, she brought home her small wages, and every month, more than half was stolen by her husband for a drink. The girls, his daughters, and his wife frequently sported bruises and walked with their heads ducked. Their threadbare clothing and their shoeless feet did nothing to stir remorse or sense into this wicked man's being. Aside from the physical abuse, there were rumors of sexual abuse. Although those rumors have never been proven to be true, my mother believed it to be possible. In short, this man was a worthless piece of shit. So his death caused little to no feeling. There was a service at the only church in town and was followed by a wake. In Mexico, the wake or viewing is done in the family home. The ladies of the town set up refreshments outside since the house was too small to have the casket, mourners, and food under one roof. While everyone was outside, my mother noticed a big black dog sneak into the home. She took a peek through the window and noticed the dog had stretched out underneath the casket. As the mourners walked back into the home, they were met by demonic growls and glowing red eyes. The dog wouldn't let anyone get near the casket. There was a prayer circle started, which turned into a vigil. The dog refused to budge. Night turned to morning, and the body needed to be buried. Finally, around 8 a.m., the dog disappeared. No one knows where the dog went or how it left the house. It simply vanished. The casket, however, had become twice as heavy as the day before. The pallbearers needed help lifting it. Once the casket and body had been transported to the cemetery, they realized that the casket didn't fit into the pre-dug hole. Let me tell you, ladies, my mother states that the hole was dug to the casket's measurements, and then some, to ensure it would fit. My grandfather had taken the measurements himself, and being a man who sewed for a living, she doubted he'd messed up the measurements. The hole had to be made bigger by the gravediggers, and when they finally had thrown the last bit of soil onto the dirt mound, they swore they heard growls coming from the earth. The story scared the crap out of me when I was 10, but it, it pales in comparison to the next one. <laughs> like my mother, my uncle was born and raised in the same small town. When my uncle Ignacio was in his early 20s, he swears he had an encounter with La La Rona. You've talked about her on your podcast before, and I wanted to send this in then but completely forgot to. The legend goes that La La Rona will appear whenever children are playing near a body of running water, or if there's water running near a crossroads.
0: Sorry, I think it's Yorona. Double L is ya or j. Oh.
1: La Yorona? Doesn't really matter. Okay. My uncle happened to be around all three elements necessary for attracting La Yorona. My uncle was visiting family in a neighboring town. My uncles were outside playing. Our relatives' home sat on the corner of a crossroads and there happened to be a small creek that ran on the other side of the house. It was at this creek that they were playing at. The kitchen window faced said creek so my aunt could keep an eye on the children while she cleaned or, in this case, visited. It was around dusk. My uncle and aunt sat about in deep in, deep in conversation with their relatives when they heard the loudest shriek moan they had ever heard. He describes it as nails on a chalkboard, but higher and scarier. It was so loud, it rattled the window panes, cracking a few windows and glasses in the process. Immediately and despite the fear, he ran out the back door to get my cousins. He was shocked to see a figure in white standing near my oldest cousin. Her hand outstretched towards her. He describes her as a white blur. Her face had no recognizable features, but you could make out her womanly figure and her slender hand as she glided toward my cousin. My uncle's instincts kicked in and he screamed at her to go away. You can't have them. Leave in Spanish. La Llorona turned to look at him and with an ear-splitting shriek, she vanished. My poor cousin was in shock. She had soiled herself from fear and my uncle never let them play near the creek again. Yikes. So my final story. This one scares me the most out of all of them. And probably because, probably because my father didn't just see it, he experienced it. My dad was born in the same state as my mother, but in a different, smaller town. While my mother lived in a poor, humble life, my father's family had a small fortune thanks to cattle that my grandfather had raised and sold. When my dad was about 16 or 17, he ventured to the ranch next to his homestead to attend a party. Everything went smoothly until 11 p.m. when my father had an altercation with the brother of a girl he was dancing with. Not wanting to escalate the situation, my dad decided to leave. His house was a few miles away from the party, so he decided that walking would be better and faster than waiting for a friend to drive him. So he set out, on a full moon, no less, in the dark, in the middle of the country. He must have been walking for twenty minutes when he saw the shadow of a bird fly above him. The bird was huge, but that just couldn't but that could have just been his imagination. He looked he looked up in time to see the bird diving towards him. He threw his hands over his head and he felt the animal's talons dig into the sleeve of his coat. He figured the bird thought he was prey and probably wouldn't come back now that it realized he wasn't a mouse. Difference in size, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Again, oh, he kept walking, and again the bird flew overhead. Again, my father looked up to see the bird flying towards him. My dad picked up a stick and threw it at the bird, and once again it retreated. He wasn't sure the thing would come back, but something told him it would. So he took, it out, he took out his pistol and was determined to shoot the bird if it attacked him again. Sure enough, the bird's shadow passed over him, and my father looked up in time to see a bird-like creature flying above him. He took aim and fired. It fell with a loud thud about 30 to 40 feet away from where my dad had been standing. He ran over to see what kind of bird he'd killed, but there was nothing there. Oh my gosh. There was a dark liquid that he thought was blood on the ground, and the grass had been crushed under the animal's weight, but there was no bird. He looked around a bit more and looked back up at the sky, but there was no sign of it anywhere. My dad went home shortly after, but he returned the next day. Sure enough, there was blood on the ground, but that was it. No trail, no bird, nothing. A few months later, my dad got sick. The doctors couldn't diagnose him. After several hospitals and opinions, my grandmother found a curandero. A curandero. (laughs) (laughs) Curandero. Curandero, which is basically a medicine man. This curandero also dabbled in Santeria. Santeria? Santeria. Santeria. Oh, God, I'm so terrible. Did you
0: take Spanish in school? No, I took French. Okay, well, then you're excused.
1: Okay, so this curandero also dabbled in Santeria. (laughs) (laughs) You say it. Santeria. Oh, it sounds so pretty. He made several herbal remedies for my dad to drink, and he performed a cleansing. He explained that my father had been marked by a lechuza on the night he walked home from the party. The lechuza was getting ready to finish her spell when he shot her down. It needed some of my dad's blood for her ritual. The incomplete spell had been enough to make my father sick, but the true purpose had always been death. He finished his cleansing and advised my father to be careful which young lady he paid attention to. My dad was convinced that some girl at the party had been the Lechuza. Oh, my gosh. He left. (gasps) She's a witch. It was probably the girl he was dancing with. Yeah. He left for the U.S. shortly after that, and he never returned to the state. I hope you ladies enjoyed my family hauntings. There are so many more stories I could tell, but that would make this email too long. Keep up the great work and see you on the other side, Daniela. Holy crap. Those are serious family stories. Two huge stories.
0: Oh my! Three. Gosh. And two, like the first one, there were witnesses.
1: I know. It's not- well, it also makes me it that story specifically made me wonder if it's like a demonic spirit being like this. I want to. I claim this soul is mine because this man was such an evil person. Or if it was the man's spirit and he's like, I'm not ready to let go of my body. I have more work to do. Yeah, I have no idea. It was definitely dark. Whatever it was. Mm-hmm and the fact that it weighted down the casket and then it didn't fit in the hole it was so like creepy. you're going to if you're going to bury me i'm going to make this very difficult
0: and then the woman also reaching out for the her oh. cousin the featureless woman
1: right cuz la llorona apparently comes for children so creepy there are so many like is this what happens where did she live She was in Mexico or she just is Her family is from Mexico, yeah. It's interesting that so many specific cultures have very intense legends and lore.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like I think Native Americans have a lot. Both of our stories had Native American ties.
0: Indigenous people.
1: Yeah. But like you have
0: in Jersey, you have the Jersey Devil. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then where I am, we have Champ. We also Ooh, have yeah. something called the Pigman. But Champ is real. Champ is actually real. We have seen I've seen him. Wow. Many people have seen him.
1: Tell us your legends. I want to hear more family legends and what you were raised with and what you're afraid of or legends you believe in or have heard of. Yeah. You email us. We want all to hear of this. your everything. Ghost stories, legends, alien stories anything to two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com you can be from another dimension we will take it we're gladly accepting other dimensional emails and stories (laughs) um yeah follow us on social media and rate and review us on itunes it takes two minutes and it will change our lives (laughs) (laughs) and we will see you you. on the other Other side. side